a beautiful morning. Amen. Wow. Just uh, for everyone worshiping here, everyone, uh, you know, visiting us via live stream uh, this morning, it's great to have you here. We like to say welcome home. Because this really, in every way, is a church family. And for me, I am like full and overflowing already. But we do need to take a little more time to fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, that's what we've been talking about for the last several, uh, last several months. We began a series at the end of January entitled uh, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. Uh, tremendous passage in the book of Hebrews helps remind us in order to keep from growing weary in doing good and to get faint-hearted and to be able to lay aside everything that hinders us in our Christian life and the sin that the Bible says clings so closely, the solution is and always has been to fix our eyes on Jesus. How's our vision here this morning? We began the series at the end of January on the theme, Jesus, legend, liar, lunatic, or Lord? And we continued on with Lord, Savior, Son of Man. Then we had a sermon on Jesus in the Old Testament. And then last week, uh, Jeff zeroed in on Jesus, the friend of sinners. You see, we've been in um, also a period of refocusing as a church individually in our family groups in our communities in the various ministries represented here and we've summarized it as we think about the mission of Jesus Christ as he gave it to us in the scriptures we summarized it in a very simple way that we'll continue to uh, try to emphasize for all of us and and help structure prioritize everything we do to love God to love people and to change the world a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will absolutely produce a great church, a great family, and a great individual life. Last week when Jeff was speaking, the focus was more on loving people. Jesus is and always has been and will be a friend of sinners, and that's a big amen for all of us because that's who we are. And then today, we're focused on the change the world piece of that equation and this title uh, that we've planned for several weeks is, uh, is simply Jesus, the training of the 12. And when you look in the scriptures, it's very clear that that was a priority in Jesus and even in many respects how the gospels were even structured themselves. There was a pretty famous book that came out, you know, years ago. It was by a Scottish preacher and, and New Testament scholar by this same name the training of the 12. It was probably one of the very first times that the word discipleship was used in the English language in the way that we understand it now. Uh, A.B. Bruce was a scholar who focused on uh, apologetics and being able to prove that Jesus was the Son of God and to make a very strong defense for Christianity. His more popular writing though, however, uh, that the church really embraced had to do with some things on a more practical level and this was his most famous work of all the training of the 12 what this author does he takes the gospels and he looks at them and amen Paula how about reading all the gospels in three days all right that's a pretty good example for all of us and maybe you'll want to use this perhaps even as an overlay as you're looking at some of these themes and you reread and refocus on Jesus again and you think of him being a friend of sinners and you think of him as, as one who was a trainer 
one who was a mentor, one who focused on a few individual lives and his plan to change the world. What A.B. Bruce does, he takes a look at the gospel's representation and portrayal of Jesus. We already know there is so much about Jesus, his teaching, what he did, his miracles. Well, the, the, the God, you know, the Apostle John says at the end of John, you know, volumes couldn't include everything. And so they, they, they select various uh, incidents in the life of Jesus. They select various narratives. They select various things that happened in Ephesus. And uh, this author's idea and uh, the thesis that he has is that Jesus called and equipped those 12 men and then the women around him and the 70 that he sent out. He called these guys, he equipped them, and he demonstrates from the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus trained and did equip his disciples to indeed change the world. He makes the point that the absolute priority in the ministry of Jesus is the most logical reason for the incredible spread of Christianity so dramatically in just the first few centuries after his death. It is amazing, this kind of impact. Today, the first part of this lesson is going to be in a teaching form. Okay, It's going to be more of a teaching kind of motive. And then we'll shift into some practical application and what we can do with it. But let's take a look, fix our eyes on Jesus, and study how he worked with those closest around him and what his plan was to change the world. A lot of people have plans to change the world through many different means. Jesus' you know, emphasis is pretty clear as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The driving emphasis of the training of the twelve as, as, in the Gospels, as, uh, as this book outlines, it's a thick volume, so, uh, you know, get prepared to have some nice evenings with it, you know, if you choose to tackle it. But it's the idea that the origins of Christianity and the strength of that entire movement and subsequent uh, trainings revolved around the training, selecting, equipping of these disciples. So, I got a question for you. If you had unlimited resources, if you had unlimited power, how would you go about changing the world? Fair question. How would you do it? What would be your plan? Well, Jesus had one, and it's outlined, and it's, it's pretty amazing. It was a master plan for reaching and transforming an entire world that was spinning away from God. His plan was simple and profound. Take 12 ordinary men, just like me and you, and as we know as you read the Gospels, he also had a group of women that were closely associated you know, with him. But his plan were to take these ordinary people, give them three years of intensive training, walking with them, observing them, teaching them to obey, and then sending them out equipped with the Word of God, with prayer and the Holy Spirit to reproduce disciples. This was Jesus' plan to reclaim the world, to change the world with the good news of his presence. That was Jesus' program. I got a question. What's our plan? What's your plan? To change the world. Let's open up to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Got your Bible? 
If you don't, do you have a friend next to you? You'll be able to look on. <clears throat> All right, Mark chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. Here we go. Jesus, it says in verse 7, Mark chapter 3, withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing and the many people coming to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon, because of this crowd, he told his disciples, have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed so many that so many of the diseases, you know, they were pushing forward to touch him. And then in verse 13, Jesus then went up to a mountain and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, designated them to be apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, heard about him last week, didn't you? Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Those are the guys he selected. It's kind of a motley crew if you want to take a look at it. It's a pretty diverse crew, isn't it? Including a tax collector, as Jeff outlined last week, who was viewed as sort of a traitor, you know, to the Jewish people, and a zealot whose whole idea was to overthrow the Romans. It was very diverse. In fact, a lot of us, we get uncomfortable now you know, as we've studied the scriptures and we see God's plan, we sometimes get kind of uncomfortable if we're just with a group in church of a homogenous people where everybody is exactly alike and you're not sure if you're in a fraternity, sorority, or the garden club, okay, because everybody sort of looks just the same. A lot of us, we get a little uncomfortable with that over any extended period of time because we know what the kingdom of God is like. It's a net that goes out. And all kinds of people come in, and all kinds of people in Christ relate to one another and live together and work together and sometimes get irritated with each other and maybe, you know, have some, some weird feelings toward each other, but they work it out in the presence of Jesus Christ. The world takes notice, and he's able to say, all men will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. That really is for a different day. The crowds, huge, they were pressing around him. Jesus could get a crowd of any size he wanted pretty much any day of the week or any week of the month. And if that were his plan, that's the way it would go. He could have made an easy play for the masses and sought to usher in God's kingdom by popular acclaim. 
The early days of his ministry attracted such prodigious crowds that he literally just had to get a boat to get into to keep from getting crushed. You know, the, the, the houses were so full where he would go. People to get a, 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 an audience with him would have to lower people through a straw thatched roof. I mean, it was incredible. And yet, Jesus discouraged mass movements. He generally played himself down publicly, and he chose to reveal himself to, to his disciples and those who believed in him enough to follow him instead of religious leaders, political powers, and the crowds of the curious. Jesus could have run for president of any country in any age at any time, and if he wanted it, he would have won in a landslide. A chicken in every pot. A new deal. Let's make Israel great again. Anytime, at any day, in any age, in any decade, at any country, if he wanted to, he would be the top dog in any, if he chose to use his power and resources in that way. It's got to be clear to all of us that read the Bible, that was absolutely not on the program. And those who had high messianic, social even, political ambitions for this the Messiah were very disappointed. There's, there, there's a little section tucked away in John chapter 6. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed it or not. It's when he feeds, as we know, the 5,000. And it's very interesting because the Bible notes, John specifically notes, that 5,000 men had followed him into the desert. And people who study this and scholars who have an angle on this say, now why do 5,000 Jewish men follow this supposed Messiah into the desert? And in verse 15, you find out exactly why. It says, if you're in John uh, 6, chapter 15, it says, and, 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 and they wanted to make him a king by force in that same chapter. But Jesus withdrew from them and went up to the mountain. You get, you get the picture? He made no effort whatsoever to raise a following, seize power, overthrow uh, Rome, or try to redo the Pharisees. Okay, He had one primary plan die for our sins on a cross and spend enough time doing good as he went to raise up men and women that would be discipled and put the plan into action. That was his plan. That was it. And so if we stray very far away from this idea of training, and we'll get down to this in some practicals in a minute, if we stray very far away from this, we start straying away from Jesus' plan. There have been so many attempts, right, through the years to do this in a mass way. There have been big mass campaigns where we try to fill up stadiums, you know, and have a very, you know, uh, you know persuasive minister and some singing and testimony and then call on people to, to stream down the aisles and to ask God to come into their life. And then, you know, not all that much happens. There have been great, you know, TV campaigns, you know. Uh, I'm sure people are trying to put together media using technology. Somebody's going to come up with some way to use Snapchat to get the word of God, you know, out, I guess, you know, eventually. I don't know. Since I've never been there, please don't judge me for that. I only know it was an IPO and somebody made a lot of money off of it, okay. Um, let's move on to something I do know something about. Okay. <laughs> Jesus knew that. The quality of discipleship 
and not the quantity of us right here in this room was the most important thing. Before the masses could ever be reached and the world ever be changed, a small group of leaders had to be produced, trained, focused on, refined. Jesus, for him, it's clear he concentrated on a few disciples, not just believers or even converts, but disciples. What was uh, Jesus's, uh, you know, master plan to be able to change the world? All right. On, on one front, his mission was absolutely crystal clear to reveal himself as God's son and to offer himself on the cross, that wondrous cross we sang about, you know, in, in a couple of different ways already this morning. And it was to make that atoning sacrifice for all our sins, the sins of the whole world. We're going to close out the service by singing that God so loved the world that he gave his son. That was the mission. That was the plan as he came onto this earth as far as his principal, you know, reason for being here. His task, though, it was clear, and we're already talking about it here today, his task you know, if, uh, if complicated a little bit, was still clear. It was complicated by the self-imposed human limitations that Jesus and the Father put on himself. And that's Philippians chapter 2 and many other places. It was complicated by the fact he had a ministry of only a little over three years. That's not a lot of time to get the job done. It was limited by 30 A.D. technology and communication. However, the task was clear. The goal to establish his church, the body of Christ, to reach and influence every nation, and his method, which we're focused on this morning. His method, the method of Jesus Christ. Our method, as we follow closely in his steps, was to first select and then disciple and train 12 ordinary men who would be able to evangelize, disciple, and train others in the same way Jesus did with them. And then finally, to turn them loose, equipped with the word of God and the Holy Spirit to disciple the nations. I think in a very real way, Juan, congratulations, man. Paula, congratulations. And congratulations to Josh from GSU, who will be baptized in about 30 minutes, right? Didn't want to forget my, uh, my GSU brothers and sisters over there. But in a very real way, you know, Juan and, and Paula, it's the same for you. You've been baptized into Christ, and Jesus said, you and all the rest of us need to be taught to obey, right? And I think the goal that we have for you in three years, in three years, because of the quality of your heart and your decision and those that are pouring their, their lives into you of training, of discipleship, of maturity, for you to then be ready to get out and change the world. And we want to keep doing it 30 years later, right? Or 15 years later. We want to keep doing that. And my man Gary Carter is sitting right there in the second row. Hey, Gary, you know, I told you I was going to shout you out, right? Okay, all right, so we're cool. Totally cool. He's sent by Sherwin because uh, Sherwin and, uh, uh, and Gary and I met about a year ago, and we've had kind of ongoing conversations. Gary's got a super busy life, lots of stuff going on in, you know, in his life, but uh, he's had association with our churches in the past, and he sort of misses it, you know? And uh, he's back again this morning, okay? So, Gary, just in case you're wondering, okay, the idea would be three years of hanging out with Sherwin and me and others here that you'll be trained, you'll be discipled, and boom, unleash you to the world. 
Because Gary's got some big goals that he wants to be able to accomplish. Because Gary's just like all of us, right? All of us, wherever we are, whether we're fairly new, we've been here for a while, it's all about really keeping to Jesus' plan, which is not just to come to church and worship. It's not just to come to church and be involved in a program. It's not even just come to church and leave church and go do some good in our communities. All of that is beautiful and a part of God's plan. But the plan to change the world. We're not talking about loving God this morning. We're not talking about loving people right now. But we're talking about changing the world. For those of whom that is something that you connect with and you realize that's part of the plan. And what God's will is for us as a people and as a church, this is it. This, you see the, the same, same emphasis and, and method in the book of Acts as you see the church starting to spread. And you see these relationships, the same kind of Paul, Timothy, Barnabas, Apollos, you know, kind of relationships that, um, you know, there are, I, really, I really appreciate and I respect in a great deal two of our guests that are here today from the great uh, Gateway City, New Orleans, Carrie Cox and T.C. Brown. Where are you guys? I haven't seen you Yet, okay, right there, okay, wave to us again, okay, this is Terry, T. And, and these guys are helping lead a restoration church, two different ones in the St. Louis area, and just heard about our church and campus ministry and wanted to come down and hang out with us for four or five days, and it's great to have you guys here, and it's a beautiful spirit. <laughs> that we all want to have, even though our church is doing good. And we're doing pretty good in our family, in our, our small group, in our community. We want to keep growing. We want to keep getting trained. Well, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this training thing for a minute. Let's hit a couple of other passages, all right? You familiar with this one? Okay. Is it true what this scripture says, that physical training is of some value? Yeah, people say it's of some value. That's why you got to do it a lot, you know. Unfortunately, we found out, you know, you got to be at it. But physical training will help you for the, the course of your life. As important as it is, however, training in what? Godliness is of greater value. And it's for value across the board in every life. I want to encourage you guys this morning that to the degree that you and I go after training in our life, discipleship in our whatever mentoring, coaching, whatever you want to call it, but it's clear it's intentional. It's clear it's focused. It's clear it has a goal in mind. Training will help you in every single area of our lives, in our family, in our self-control, in our walk with God, in our parenting, in our career, in our school. Every single area will be. And as you know, some people spend great amounts of money to get training and coaching. Some of you got a trainer. Okay, that helps you in various areas, whether it's in sports or fitness. Others of you have coaches, you know, in your business. I mean, this is not, this is not rocket scientists to figure it out. Okay, it's, it's a focus on how we as a group and as a church change the world, but it's also how we change our lives and how we grow. It's how God created us. And, you know, the very last scripture we're going to look at in just a, just a few minutes is Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus says the real key to all of this is our own personal humility and being willing to change, to innovate, to repent is the actual word, you know, and to become like little children in the sense we're pliable, we, we're, we're teachable, we can learn. Some people call, uh, call it being a fat disciple, faithful, accessible, and 
the T is for training, I think. But it's this whole idea of, of, of being available to people. I don't know if you're, you're, you're familiar with this. We, we use this passage a lot. This is for you veterans here of Ephesians chapter 4. It's very intentional. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us the, the doctrine that we're supposed to watch. The Bible says watch your life and doctrine closely. It tells us those doctrines. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one spirit outlines them very clearly. Right before that, it outlines the attitude we got to have where we're completely humble with each other. And then it goes on to say how we're equipped and trained. And it says that the, the elders, the teachers, the evangelists in the church are a gift, you know, to the church to train and equip all of us to do the ministry, to be able to do the work. Again, this is just very, very clear in, the, you know, the scriptures for all of us. It's why we do things, why we have sermons, why we have a training class with Robert Carrillo on Jesus and his small groups. Why yesterday we had the family group leaders together. John Smith, Greg Dillon did a great job in training and equipping us in, in those ways. It's why Douglas uh, offers AIM to all of us. And he offers apologetics on Thursday night to be able to be a part of. And websites and all kinds of things. And then, of course, we have our small groups where the specific one-on-one -on -one small group emphasis and training can take place. We try to do this in every, you know, it, you know, in every way that we can because the scriptures go on to talk about this training. Did you know that Bible you've got in your lap or on your device, the whole idea is to train us. It does correct us so we can repent. Yes, it does point out things we need to change. So if you're not comfortable with that, you've got to close that Bible and keep it put away because the Bible will inspire you to make changes. But we'll also give you specific training that you need in, in your life. In addition to that, parents, it's important to have training and then to train your children. That's what our high school parents and the high school students are doing as we speak across the parking lot. Training, okay? And that's what every good dad should be doing, not exasperating our kids by having expectations or telling them to do stuff they really don't maybe even know how to do and we haven't walked with them enough to inspire them, but to train them and to, to, in just the way that they should live. And then, of course, we know this great passage in 1 Corinthians 9 where he talks about training for the games, the Olympic games, and we know anybody who tackles that goes into what kind of training? You got it, strict training, and he, he applies that to us becoming all things to all men so we can, buy, but by that means, save some and change the world. It's ministry and being focused and being trained in that area. We like to believe, you know, that, you know, that all of the things that we try to do, you know, revolve around that. Pulling together, right? I hope, you, you know, you're probably getting tired of seeing these two draft horses. But the idea is these are two horses that are trained to work together. Like you want a marriage to be, like you want your family to be, like you want your family group to be. And that involves training and working so you can really pull all together in that same way. It again, I want you to not forget about this that we shared a couple of weeks ago. This is the very last, one of the last points in our Vision Sunday, you know, goals for 2017. Among these include right in the heart of what we're talking about this morning, okay, in our goals. And that's in our small groups, in our communities, in our Bible talks, we just stay static, improve a little bit, know to grow, and to multiply. That's the goal. And then these intentional relationships that we have, these intentional one another relationships that you voluntarily enter into. 
that you even seek out that help coach you, mentor you, disciple you, whatever you're needing in your life you know, right now, and a focus on that, and that that's a priority for us as a church, so we don't just get bigger, we get better, and then, of course, we talk on this, this, this third idea, the, the, the mature disciples who've been around for a while really put the spirit of the older teaching the younger, whether it's a three-year-old Christian in a campus teaching one of the new brothers and sisters, or whether it's a 30-year-old disciple helping uh, those beginning their new families and careers or mentoring the, the, the new disciples, but it, 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 it's to help out. You know, to get trained to help out even the smaller churches around us. And then, how about the brotherhood? We got a brotherhood out there, right? And we got a, a brotherhood right here in Atlanta that we can support and we can encourage and we can share. And this is part of our one another, you know, heart. Okay? Here's the idea there are always crowds, right? The big old crowds around Atlanta, we got about 4 million in the crowd, you know, that's out here. And then we have the, uh, a, a, a rather, uh, the community. You know, that's our community around us. The crowd for our church are all of our friends and neighbors that have come to Bible Talks. They've come to church with us. They've come to Women's Day. More will come, you know, this Saturday. And they're a part of our crowd, okay, as they come closer and closer to us. And then we have our congregation. You know, we're here uh, this morning. We're next door, 5 p.m. Edge will be meeting, you know, here in the auditorium as well. And we have a congregation. And then we have another circle of, of not just the people who come to church on Sunday morning, but those who are really engaged, those who are all in. You're committed to your family group. You are committed to supporting, you know, this church. You are committed to, and, and, you, and you know who you are, and, and then there's the core, okay? These, these, these key core people in any organization, certainly in the church, that really, you know, help provide leadership and direction, and you know what we're all hoping around here in our lives is our core can keep growing. More and more people be trained and equipped to go out and change the world and, 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 and impact other communities and, be able, and to be able to continue to get people from our community into our crowd and then the crowd into the congregation, the congregation of those more and more being committed and more people in the middle. You got it? You know, this is, it's, it's again just an illustration of what you see in, uh, in, in the life of, you know, of Jesus. How about, uh, I think it's time to wrap it up. How about that, okay? Um, do you think you got the general drift, okay, today? The example of Jesus. There's a clear path that he had to change the world. Some of us are embracing it right now. There from time to time, we may resist it a little bit. But Jesus' plan is really, really clear. What I'm hoping you can do is you study the scriptures, study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, fix your eyes on Jesus, and see how he walked with people, how he, how, how he lived among the general people in his community, how he treated people, sinners, you know, those who were in and out of his circle, and then especially what he did, the decisions that he made, the focus that he did in his attempt to really be able to change the world. I do want to call on all of us as, as one of your evangelists in the church here to not blow this off. Do not blow this off. Jesus said, if we want to go to heaven, we sure got to have this. Become humble, that's what he says in verse 4, and change, and I underline change in the ASV says, and be converted. You know, it's the word to change, to repent. It's 
repent, like Jeff said last week, it's a positive word. It's not a negative. It means you can work on things and really change. But this attitude of humility and being willing to grow and to be trained is so important for me, you, all of us. As we continue to make it our, our plan, guys, you can start anytime you want because I think we know where this is going, okay? As we continue with all of our heart to seek, uh, to seek God's grace and to help us to love him, to love people, and to change the world.